and it was at a, um, it was at a conference. It was at a Microsoft conference. It was up in Seattle. Now, who do you think was speaking at that conference? It was Bill Gates, richest man in the world. And so he's speaking there, and all of a sudden, that place started to shake. And you know what Bill Gates did? He didn't just drive. He sprinted off that stage. He sprinted off that stage. And Nada looked at me and says, hey, you know, most powerful man in the world. Just shake the earth a little bit and look at He flees like a... And it's true. You people, that's what's going to happen. No matter how strong you are physically, think you're invincible, or how powerful you are for money, the Lord shakes this earth. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopark.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. At first glance, this fifth seal seems unique in that it doesn't administer any sort of judgment. It really doesn't, right? All it does is record these ones that are at the altar and they're crying out to the Lord, How long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood? Right? It says, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? No judgment per se, but notice their cry. Their cry and their prayer is for judgment. These souls are in fervent prayer for judgment. It is similar to the imprecatory psalms. Ever read the imprecatory psalms, anybody? It's like when David says, Lord, break those teeth in their jaw. Have you ever prayed that? Doesn't sound too holy, does it? Lord, will you break that guy's teeth in his jaw? Well, that's in the Bible. It's one of David's prayers. They're imprecatory prayers. And when you study them, I give you some examples. Psalm 64, verses 6 through 9, and Psalm 79, verse 10. I have recorded here some of these psalms. We don't have time to read it. But if you read these in your own time, you know that it's praying for judgment. Vengeance. Now, it seems out of place in this time of grace and mercy, right? What would we be praying for? We're praying for what? Salvation, really. But there's going to be a time, and it's a time in the tribulation when the prayers are going to go up are for judgment. That's what we just read. And so in this time of grace and mercy, we may not embrace these kinds of imprecatory prayers, but in the midst of the tribulation, imprecatory prayers will be partnered with the Lamb administering judgment. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that, what I meant by that. You see, when the fifth seal is loose, we know that the seals are all judgment. It doesn't seem like this fifth seal is judgment per se. But notice, what are they praying for? They're praying for judgment. Just like today, we're praying for what? Salvation. It's the fuel behind the work of the Lord in saving people. And even the Lord is now at the right end of the Father interceding. But I get to tell you, in that day of the tribulation, what's the Lord doing? He's judging. And these prayers of these martyred saints will be praying what? coming alongside of judgment. You see, the focus, the third paragraph here I'm reading, the focus of the fifth seal is not martyrdom. 
Because martyrdom could not be judgment from God. Think about it. Some people will say, well, the fifth seal is martyrdom. But that's not judgment. What is martyrdom? You die for the faith. They're innocent. They don't need to be judged. They're consequence of sin. So it's not judgment. It embraces the context of furthering God's wrath and judgment through prayer. That's what this fifth seal is about. It's not judgment per se, but it's now the prayer. It's the force behind the judgment. Just as we have, we have something to do with the work of God on this earth through our prayers. Now, God is sovereign, right? God's going to do what he wants to do, but he opens up the door for us to partner with him in prayer. It's going to be the same in the tribulation, but these tribulations are going to partner in prayer without judgment. The Lord is going to judge, definitely but they're going to partner in prayer. Okay, so the fifth seal is loosening, is a loosening of the prayerful force behind the acts of judgment administered by the Lamb. These prayers of martyr tribulation saints are a spiritual potency by which the seventh seal of judgment is filled. What do I mean by that? Well, we're going to see this right after the fifth seal. That's the prayer for judgment. Now, right after that is the sixth seal. Now, what's Unique about the sixth seal, it's a judgment that is not so much can be managed by man. We looked at the first four seals, right? Faces of the Antichrist. Even though Satan is behind it and God is allowing it, right? We see a man that's kind of making the decisions, right? But I got to tell you, when the earth shakes, <laughs> no man's going to do that, right? When the earthquake, right, hits, the sun, moon, they change colors, the stars from the skies fall, no man's going to do that. Right? And so you can see this shift here in the sixth one we're going to talk about. But preceding the sixth is this fifth one, right? It's prayers of the martyred saints. They're coming alongside, right? The judgment of the Lamb. The Lamb is judging. He's loosing the seals. And they're the prayer force behind that. And boy, I got to tell you, that's going to feel the seventh seal. And that's the doozy. The seventh seal. We talked about the seven seals, right? Now we think about, well, six of them are covered in chapter six. Chapter 7, we're done. Seven seal. <laughs> Got news for you. Got all the way to chapter 19. Now what's happening? Now we have parentheticals, which we're going to address a little bit this morning. We're going to get into fully next week. Parentheticals are personages that come on the scene during the tribulation. But I got to tell you, right? Six seals are going to be loose. The seven seal is going to start in verse, in verse 1 of chapter 8. It's going to go all the way to chapter 19. So there's a lot in that seven seal. What is fueling that? Well, it's the Lamb. He's going to lose the seals, but the prayers of the tribulation, they're praying for judgment. That's the spiritual force behind it. Just as when we enter into prayer now, right? We don't do the work of the Lord. The Lord does the work, but our part is to pray. And on this side, right, of His return, what are we praying for? Salvation, really, repentance, revival. In that day in the tribulation, I believe these saints, and we just read it, they're praying for what? Judgment. And I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to address why. Why at this point, okay, in a little bit. Okay, but I want to mark this to you, right? That right now, right, as we're reading in Revelation chapter 6, the fifth seal are the prayers that fuel the seventh seal of judgment, and even the sixth seal. Now, I want you to look with me in chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, okay? Because... That is really the introduction of the seventh seal. 
have six seals in chapter 6. We have a parenthetical in chapter 7. And we have the seventh seal introduced in chapter 8. Now let's read this. It says, When he opened the seventh seal, chapter 8, verse 1, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Can you imagine that? After all the devastation the sh the, uh, of the sixth seal there, the shaking of the earth. Remember we just noted, right, the fourth seal, a quarter of the population was killed on this earth. Can you imagine? And then now, the seventh seal, right before it's loose, a half an hour of silence. Well, that's going to be deafening, huh? But notice this. He opened the seventh seal, and there was, a sil there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now notice verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So you read that. What's happening? Within the seventh seal are seven trumpets of judgment. We're going to get to that. Now, these things, you think we've seen something, you think it's been bad so far? It's going to get even worse in the seven trumpets of judgment. But I'll take that one step further. In the seventh trumpet of judgment, you know what's going to happen? Seven bowls of judgment. You can see where the judgment exponentially rises in frequency and also in strength. And it's interesting. I believe that the fuel, part of the fuel of the strength of the seventh seal is in the fifth seal, the prayer of the tribulation saints. Because they've been killed for their faith in Christ. And they're saying, how long, O Lord, before you avenge our deaths? And so they're praying judgment. They want judgment to be completed so that Jesus, when he returns, is going to grant them their resurrected body. And so I kind of let the cat out of the bag. I was going to give you a, a, a question. You didn't know I'm going to give you a final, huh? To everybody on Revelation. The question is this. When do the tribulation saints receive their resurrected bodies? They don't have them here. It's just the souls. They receive it at the end of the tribulation. How do I know that? Revelation chapter 20 verse 4. Let's turn there. Go all the way to Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. This is after Jesus returns in Revelation 19. And then Revelation 20 talks about Satan being bound for a thousand years. That's the millennial kingdom. When Jesus has returned with the armies of heaven, he's going to rule and reign. And so part of that rule and reign is going to be with the church that was raptured before the tribulation. They're in the resurrected bodies. But at this point, the tribulation saints, the ones that have died for their faith, their souls, as we just read, are at the altar in heaven. They don't have their resurrected bodies yet. They will receive their resurrected bodies in Revelation 20, verse 4. Okay, let's read this. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. See, we're going to rule and reign. We're going to judge with Christ. It says, Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for what? A thousand years. Okay, so this, from this verse, this is where we see the tribulation saints that have died in the tribulation. They don't have the resurrected bodies in the tribulation, but it's at the end of the tribulation, in the millennial kingdom, Revelation 24, that's when they're going to receive their resurrected bodies, and they, like the church that was raptured at the beginning of the tribulation, they're going to rule and reign with Christ. 
Okay? So, going now back, let's finish up. Reading our bulletin summary, right? So it says, this would be the fifth paragraph down, the last paragraph almost. It says, the seals of judgment depict Jesus in a different manner. His posture is one of authority and judge. No longer intercessor. Right now, what is he? He's intercessor, right? He hasn't judged this earth yet. What's he doing in this time of mercy and grace? He's interceding for the saints, but he's also praying, right? He's interceding like we're interceding for those that would come to know Christ. But he's not going to be intercessor during the tribulation. He's going to be judge. It's a different posture. He's going to judge in the millennium. He's loosing the seals. And so, as we join in the Lord praying for intercession, now, the tribulation saints, what we read in, in um, the fifth seal, they're going to be joining the Lamb praying for judgment. Why? Because their sights is when the Lord returns. And He begins to rule and reign. Okay, so... From this position of authority and judgment, he will restore all things. Dr. Barnhouse said it well. There are four things out of place in the universe. You might relate to this, right? The church is out of place. She ought to be in heaven. Right now. She will be in heaven at the rapture. Israel is out of place. She ought to be in the land sworn to her and possess every part. That has never happened. That will happen when? When Jesus returns, sets up his millennial kingdom. The devil is out of place. He ought to be in the lake of fire, but he is still roaming free. Right? Who's the God of this world? Who's the prince of the power of the air? He's out of place. He's supposed to be in the lake of fire. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire at the end of the millennial kingdom. Remember that? He's bound during the millennial kingdom, but then at the end, he's cast into the lake of fire. Now, for, uh, the fourth point and Christ is out of place right now. He should be through with intercession and seated on his throne, reigning instead of upon his Father's throne interceding. We look forward to when Jesus rules and reigns. Now, he's ruling and reigning spiritually, as we mentioned, right, through the Holy Spirit. That happened in his first coming, when he died on the cross, took care of our sins. But he's going to rule and reign physically with all those that have been resurrected. So you have the resurrection of the church, you have the resurrection of the tribulation saints. Who are we missing? Resurrection of the Old Testament saints. When are they raised? Daniel chapter 12, I believe, at the end of the tribulation. Same time as the tribulation saints. So that covers everyone, all the faithful. And so Jesus will rule and reign physically at his second coming, and Revelation 19, then you're going to see in Revelation 20, as it's mentioned before the Millennial Kingdom starts, the Tribulation Saints, Old Testament Saints, Daniel 12, they're resurrected. The church has already been resurrected, and they're going to rule and reign with Christ. That's the proper place of Christ, ruling and reigning. Okay? This day, however, is fast approaching when Jesus will put all things in their rightful place. It's fast approaching. When's it going to start? The day of the Lord begins, I believe, at the rapture of the church. So it's a seven-year tribulation. Jesus returns, sets up his millennial rule. Then you have the great white throne judgment. Satan is cast into Gehenna. 
right? And you have the new Jerusalem, the eternal state. Okay, so it all begins right there at the rapture. And so the day is fast approaching. But I've got to tell you, people, once the rapture curves, seven years. Seven years is not that long, huh? Very, very quick. It's the 70th seven, as prophesied in Daniel chapter 9, which we looked at last night. Okay, so this whole fifth seal, I believe it's important in <clears throat> respect to being the prayers behind this seventh seal of judgment, okay? Now, these first four seals, as I mentioned, we covered last week, they have to do with this Antichrist, I believe, right? I believe that this, these four horsemen of the apocalypse <clears throat> are the four faces, different faces of Antichrist. Remember, he comes riding on a white horse in the first seal. Why a white horse? Because Jesus returns on a white horse. The Antichrist looks just like Christ. He comes with a bow with no arrows. And he comes to conquer. Now remember we noted this. A bow with no arrows is kind of an interesting way to conquer, right? How many have a bow with no arrows? Well, he conquers in a very stealthy way. I believe in he's a political figure. He has the world begin to follow him. He comes politically, amasses his power. And as he does that, right, we saw the second, third, and fourth seals, right? He starts to administer, he starts to begin to take peace from this earth. People rising up against people. Nation against nation. Sound familiar? Think it's possible? Think this earth is getting along now? Think there's racial conflict now? It's just a snippet, right? But this, this gentleman, right, this Antichrist comes looking just like Christ, as fast as he promotes peace, forms this covenant between the Arab nation and Israel to build the temple again, he can start to, in a stealth way, remove peace from this earth. We know to this, right? These four horsemen of the apocalypse. I want to read you, actually, <clears throat> from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, a cross-reference of what's happening. This is what Paul is talking about in his uh, letter to the Thessalonian church. If you turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> I want to read this to you, these 12 verses. This kind of gives you insight in how this Antichrist comes on the scene. And the reason I'm underscoring this is that the first four seals, they're administered by Satan, definitely, right? But it's through a man. It's managed by man. When we get to the sixth seal, when God begins to shake the earth, it's not managed by man anymore, okay? It's going to be very, very obvious that the Lord is behind this, that he's purging this earth from sin. And to me, the inflection point is the fifth seal, is when the tribulation states begin to pray. Pray for judgment, okay? That's where I'm going here. But let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 1. <clears throat> Paul's talking about this day, right? He says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He's saying that, don't worry, the rapture hasn't come yet. There's some false teachers coming in Thessalonica that are saying, hey, you guys missed it. He says, hey, don't worry. You haven't missed it, right? And he begins to tell them what to expect just before the Antichrist comes. Now he says, let no one deceive you. 
by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. This would be the Antichrist. Verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, we noted this last week. Remember we went to Daniel chapter 9, the abomination of desolation? And then we went to Matthew chapter 24, I think right at verse 15. Jesus began to explain to them. And he quotes Daniel chapter 9. When you see the abomination of desolation standing right in the temple, he says, Israel, you better get out of there. Because he's going to try to kill you. Now, Paul is talking about this as well. He's going to go into the temple. He wants to be worshipped as God. This is the Antichrist. This is when the great tribulation, I mean, the tribulation turns into the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. The three and a half years is he's going to turn and he's going to begin to kill all those that don't take the mark of the beast. And he's going to begin to kill, try to kill Israel. Okay, so let's keep reading. It says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, we've covered this before. The he who restrains the Antichrist in appearing is who? Is the Holy Spirit, is the church. Right? That's why the he is capitalized. Now, I know they interpret it for you, but it's a good interpretation. What's restraining the Antichrist, the person that's coming on the scene, is the church. But the church, when it's raptured, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the different faces, right? They begin to reveal themselves. He comes in as the Christ, riding on a white horse, the first seal, right? But then he shows his different faces. But it's all managed through a man. That's the point I want to make. Revelation chapter 6, it's by God. He begins to shake the stars, shake the earth, right? Now let's keep reading it. Verse 8, And when the lawless one will be revealed, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is in according with the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. He's going to deceive many. That's in the first three and a half years. Among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Now, I want to mark this to you. I want you to highlight this verse. It says that God will send them strong delusion. There's going to be deception that goes out. And then, as that deception goes out, notice, after all the ones on earth don't receive, they don't receive Christ, right? He's going to send them strong delusion. It reminds me of Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh? That account there, Pharaoh hardened his heart. I believe it's like seven or eight times, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And right around the seventh or eighth time, it then begins to record that God says, Hey, you harden your heart? I'm going to harden your heart for you. Remember that? If that's what you want, I'm going I'm to get this show on the road because my people need to leave Israel. I mean, my, my people need to leave Egypt. There's a time element. You know, I, I would just kind of submit to you, it's the same with the tribulation. After 
that last tribulation saint, right, has given his life for the Lord, that's why he says, hey, wait, time is not yet up. The prayers of the tribulation saints say, hey, let's get this show on the road. We need to get to his return. You understand? It's after the point of no return. And so in verse 11 it says, And for this reason God will send them strong delusion. You say, well, that's not fair, Lord. Why would you send these ones that don't know you strong delusion? It's after the point of no return. After so long they haven't received correction in the tribulation. It's after that last tribulation saying, finally perish. There's going to be no more salvation. God's going to say, okay. We're going to get to judgment really quick. And that's why you see the seventh seal, I believe. It it's quickened in time and in magnitude. It, seven trumpets in that seventh seal. And seven bowls in that seventh trumpet. So you got 14 judgments that are more powerful than the first six seals, all in the seventh seal. You understand? It's after, I believe, that last tribulation saying has given his life for the Lord. They're past. Everybody else on this earth is past the point of no return. Now, there's still ones that are going to be preserved. But in terms of making the decision, I believe it's past the point of no return. Ones have already made a decision. Okay? And then the end's going to come. And so it says, For this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had, no ple but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see... This is a description of the tribulation. The ones that after that last tribulation saint perishes, right? The ones that remain, they're going to be condemned. Because they have no desire for the truth. And so the prayers of the tribulation saints will come to the fullness. It will expedite the judgment to the return of Christ. You understand? Okay, so with that, let's now turn back. To Revelation chapter 6. Let's look at the parts here. Revelation chapter 6 verse 9 says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Now, this would be the altar in heaven. Now, you have references to an altar in the tabernacle. Well, remember this, right? Remember you study the book of Hebrews. The tabernacle is a, a copy of what's in heaven. Everything's better in heaven, right? Better altar, better tabernacle, better blood, better sacrifice, everything's better in heaven. And so when it says the altar in heaven, right, it's a picture of heaven. And so we see at this altar are where the souls of those who had been slain, the blood of the souls of the saints. Very interesting. Now it says souls. Now think about that. If it says souls, it can be the church, can it? can be. Because the souls of the, those that are of the faith in the church, right, they were released from, remember, Hades, you're on that side. Remember this, right? When we die, now in this time of the church, where do our souls go? Goes right to heaven now, right? But before the cross, where did the souls go? Those are faithful. Went to Hades. On the side of the faithful. Until the cross. Remember when the cross of Calvary, the better blood was shed, right? He released all those souls from that side of Abraham's bosom. And so they're now with the Lord. Absent from the body now is to be present with the Lord because we live after the cross. But what happens at the rapture? 
those souls receive what? A resurrected body. Because their bodies are still in the ground. Right? So, if we believe that the rapture occurred at the beginning of the tribulation, whose souls are these? Can't be anybody else but the tribulation saints. You understand? The tribulations, they're the ones that have died in the tribulation. So, God's mercy is extended in the tribulation as well. There are going to be those that say, you know what? We made a mistake. We're going to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're going to die for their faith. And these are the tribulation states that are being recorded here in the fifth seal. They begin to cry out and pray. How long, O Lord, before you avenge? How long? They're praying for judgment because at the end, when judgment reaches its fullness and Jesus returns, that's when they're going to receive their what? Resurrected body. We just read. Okay, so these souls are the souls of the tribulation saints and they begin to pray. They begin to be the fuel behind, I believe, the seventh seal. Okay? And they saw them under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which, which they have. Now, the reason I believe this fifth seal is an inflection point is because as these souls of these tribulation saints, they begin to accumulate as more die. When that number feet reaches its fullness, notice it says, when they say how long, right? The answer is, until the fellow servants and their brethren would, who would be killed as they were was completed at the end of verse 11. That's how long. And so it's accumulating these souls at the altar there until the fullness of the tribulation saints are completed. And as I said, at that point, who else is going to be saved? That's the inflection point. You understand? That's past the point of no return. Those that are still living, that are going to live on to millennium, they have already made their decisions. But those that have, haven't, they're not going to make their decisions. They're past the point of no return. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast of Calvary Chapel, Agua Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.